the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Todd Starnes Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's favorite gun-toting, Bible-clinging, deplorable American. That's us. That's right. I love this American right. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Todd Starnes Show. I'm Mary Walter. Sitting in for Todd Starnes. Todd will be back with you tomorrow. He is traveling. All those other rumors you heard about where Todd is, not true. I'm telling you. I know. Not true. He will be back tomorrow. So I get to sit in the seat today, so I'm very excited about that. Great show lined up. Uh, Grace, Kyle doing an excellent job. We've got uh, Representative Ben Klein coming up uh, in the next hour. And then after him will be Hogan Gidley. Uh, he used to work in the Trump administration. And fun fact, Trump used to call every now and then would call him Tiddly. He would forget his last name. Get, get Tiddly in here. So um, I have to be very careful because of that. Because of that, I always want to say the wrong name. So Hogan Gidley will be joining us. We'll talk the Twitter files. And of course, with Ben Klein. We'll be uh, discussing the Twitter files, immigration, January 6th, no hearings. What are the Republicans really going to do, if anything? I don't know. So we will discuss all of that. Let's start out, though, because I have a lot to get through. This is crazy. Usually, you know, on a weekend, things die down a little bit. Fridays are the day that, like, any administration dumps any kind of bad news or things they don't want you to pay attention to at, you know, 5.30 on a Friday or or the day before a holiday weekend. That's when they dump the stuff they don't want you to see and they don't want the, the networks to, to um, report on, which, if you're a Democrat, they're not going to report on bad news anyway, so it doesn't matter when you dump it. But with the Twitter files and everything going on, it's like drinking from a fire hose. It's just like, oh my, two Twitter dumps this weekend. Both times we were out to dinner. And my and when the first one came out, the very first dump came out, we were out to dinner. And my husband just apologizes to the table. He's like, okay, Mary's gone now. She's got her nose in Twitter and she's reading the Twitter files. So she will not be with us for the rest of the meal. And that's pretty much what happens. So um, just some news. There's a lot of stories happening that you're just not hearing because there's so much out there. So I like to find some of those stories and share them. This is one of them. Did you know that, that the depart- the DOJ requested to hold Trump in contempt over the over the the records that he took to Mar-a-Lago and you know the, that type of stuff because they said that he did not respond in a timely fashion so they wanted to hold him in contempt because their Trump derangement syndrome is still going strong and uh, so th- they they wanted to do that and so a judge on Friday. And the District of Columbia, which if it's in D.C., 
They are so Democrat. They're so anti-Republican. They're so anti-Trump. They're so for this current administration that even their juries, you forget it. You're not. They won't convict anybody who's on their team. They just won't. Um, and it truly is a jury of your peers if you're a Democrat. So uh, Judge Beryl Howell uh, was charged with this federal judge and uh, actually denied the DOJ's request to hold former President Trump in contempt. They alleged that he did not comply with the grand jury subpoena. So they were urging the judge um, to hold him in contempt uh, because the subpoena was issued in May and they demanded that Trump's custodian of records turn over any documents that were more classified that Trump had in his possession. Now, we remember that, right? The big raid on Mar-a-Lago in August and all of that. And I was, oh, that's it. Trump's going to jail. They, they do that all the time. It's their fevered dream uh, that, that the left has that, you know, Trump's eventually going. He's definitely going to jail this time. We've got him this time. And remember, we heard um, uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times reporting that he had nuclear secrets. And all that died. No, he didn't. Um, whenever some whenever the New York Times or the Washington Post now have any kind of scoop from an unnamed source with uh, familiar you know, ties to the administration or someone familiar with the investigation, I always disregard it. Ever since Russiagate, and we found out that you know the um, DOJ and the FBI were planting stories with those two news outlets in order to further the 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 agenda in order to get FISA warrants to spy on the Trump campaign. I don't believe anything they put out anymore, and that's really sad because both the New York Times and um, and uh, Washington Post used to be really great. They used to be fantastic. And they are not anymore. They are now hacks and just tools of the left. So the Trump team argued that they turned over boxes and other federal records to federal law law enforcement in January, before there even was um, the subpoena, and and June. Then there was the raid in August because the DOJ says he he didn't turn over everything. Now, the Fridays, what happened on Friday is under seal, so we don't know everything. It wasn't open to the public. But after the judge's decision, Trump's spokesman, Stephen Chung, said that Trump remains committed to being transparent and cooperative with the DOJ's investigation into his handling of White House documents. And um, the judge has now urged the DOJ and Trump's attorneys to just work it out yourself. Because that's what they did with Obama. Obama took a whole bunch of stuff out to Chicago to where his museum is going to be. You know, they, he took a bunch of stuff and they had to go get it from him. And they said, well, we want this and we want this. and We want this. They're arguing, though, that he still has um, classified documents, because remember, just recently they turned over two more documents that they found somewhere at Mar- Mar-a-Lago. They, they turned those over, said there's two more documents. Here you go. And they turned it over. But the DOJ is arguing that they didn't turn everything over, but they won't tell the Trump campaign what they're looking for. We, you didn't turn everything over. Okay, well, what do you want? Well, we, we're not going to tell you. You need to turn over all classified documents. Uh, okay, so. The government is like, I, I was just having this conversation off the air with Grace, wonderful Grace. And I, I, I was talking about a different industry. And I said, I swear it's the worst run industry, the most ineptly run industry in the country. And I was like, except government. That's the worst. The government is the absolute worst. Um. Okay, Pete Buttigieg is in the news, and you probably didn't even hear this story. But do you remember back when uh, Trump was president 
and his uh, health and human services secretary, a guy was named Tom Price. And he was forced to resign because the media came after him so hard because he took 26 private flights in a year. And it cost the taxpayers about $1.2 million. And everybody's like, he should fly. He should fly commercial. Why is he flying private at carbon tax? And they were screaming as they usually did. Everything Trump did, everything. And he, I swear they forced more people in his administration to resign over stuff like this. Elaine Chow was appointed uh, by Trump as uh, the transportation secretary. She used jets on seven occasions in 2017, costing about 94000 and they were screaming about her as well. Because anything Trump did, they screamed. Well, you're never going to hear this, because the darling of the left, one Pete Buttigieg, has taken at least 18 flights using taxpayer-funded private jets since he took office. Mm-hmm. Elaine Chow took seven, and they were screaming. Now, Tom Price took 26. I'm a big fan of, I don't understand why they're flying to all these places. Why can't you use Skype or Zoom or some kind of secure government video device? Why do you have to fly, especially if you're advocating for forcing us into electric vehicles and all this other stuff to save the world and save the planet? Why do you get to jet around in a private jet? It's just the height of hypocrisy. Do you, Pete Buttigieg is the guy. Do you remember this? You probably didn't hear. I don't know if you heard this. This was not widely reported either. So Buttigieg had a, but Buttigieg had a photo op early on uh, on his bicycle, bicycling to work, you know, because he's so green. But somebody, I don't know if it was a reporter or somebody with a cell phone, caught the Secret Service unloading his bicycle from the back of a big SUV. So he rode in the SUV to a certain spot where they he didn't think the reporters would see him, jumps on the bicycle like, look, I bicycled to work today. He's like that that uh, runner who jumped into the New York Marathon towards the end like and only ran a couple of miles. Remember, was that Rosie, Rosie Ruiz? Was that her? Was that the name? I think that's the name. I'm sorry, Rosie, if it's wrong. Um, if you are a Rosie Ruiz and it wasn't Rosie Ruiz. Um, but I think that was her. And it was a total... And, and the media just yawned, and they didn't even report it. So um, the the bipartisan leaders on the House Oversight and Reform Committee at that time opened investigations into several senior Trump administration officials for use of government-owned and private aircraft for travel, and Price winds up submitting his letter of resignation. Now, Pete Buttigieg is the reason why, because he's mismanaging everything. We've got supply chain crises. I don't know what the heck he's done to, to resolve that, right? I guess we're just going to let it work it out on its own. Uh, the airports with all the canceled flights, because shockingly, when you force people to get a vaccine they don't want, they leave and go fly for like FedEx or UPS where they're just you know shuttling mail around so nobody cares. The passengers don't care if he's vaccinated or not because it's mail. And, and they get those jobs. And so they don't have enough pilots. They don't have enough crew. And it was a disaster. Remember people waiting hours and days in airports? That was all courtesy of Pete Buttigieg. But he bypasses all of that because Pete hops his little butt on a, on a private plane. Now, um, private jet travel is 10 times more carbon intensive than commercial planes and 50 times more carbon intensive than trains. So... Just want to let you know. And he's flying all over the place. And he did a lot of his flights 
to swing states before the election under the guise of of, of uh, the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And in September, he went to Montreal for a uh, and in a, by private jet. And while he was there, he attended the International Civil Aviation Organization conference while he was there. So that was the reason for going. But it also happened to be the same time that he was receiving a, an award for his contributions to the advancement of LGBTQ rights by a large um, Canadian organization. And so, you know, while, well, since I'm here, I'll just get the award, too. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to use the, them for private things. It's only for government business. and You're not supposed to be using it that often. So they're all a bunch of hypocrites, I guess, is the bottom line. All right. I got more news coming up and uh, lots of things to talk about as well on the show 844-747-8868 is my number 844-747-8868 if you'd like to chime in i'm mary walter sitting in for todd on the todd starn show there's no question folks america is hurting crime and inflation are out of control it can be so discouraging but there is hope if you're a senior you remember better than anyone how strong america can be when we work together and that's why i urge you to join forces with amac the association of mature american citizens amac exists to enrich the lives of seniors and uphold freedom for all americans by fighting for conservative causes membership comes with discounts on hotels restaurants cell phone service and much more and my Friends at AMAC offer advisory services on things like Medicare, financial planning, and Social Security. Becoming a member of AMAC is easy, and it only costs $16 a year. Go to amac.us slash starns to sign up today. I'm a proud member of AMAC, and you should be too. Go to amac.us slash starns now. Join millions of other AMAC members receiving unparalleled benefits while we work together to get America back on track. Join AMAC today at amac.us slash starns. That's amac.us slash starns. Have yourselves a Fauci little Christmas Make your contacts light From now on our faces will be out of sight Make sure you stay six feet apart Wipe your shopping cart for me I ruined Christmas for everyone Now I'm finally done, thankfully Yes, you've always been together That was not allowed Fauci said That four people is now a crowd So have yourselves An isolated Christmas now and don't forget to wear your mask and cut a hole in it for the eggnog. <laughs> I don't know. 
know, Fauci went from from a New Yorker at the end there to from being from Boston. <laughs> Jim Gossett uh, is always you know the one who brings us those amazing uh, song parodies. He's so talented. Uh, you can find him Jim Gossett comedy two S's two T's on YouTube. Uh, speaking of Dr. Fauci, he did an interview with with uh, Fox Five New York, which is a local Fox affiliate in New York. And he said that while he believes that future decisions about implementing restrictions should be left up to the discretion of local health authorities, he says, people don't like being told what to do. Like, I, and I was, I was <laughs> listening to this like, really? Like, you just figured that out now? That people don't like being told what to do? Huh. Weird. He said, he told Good Day New York, I mean, obviously, you would like people to use good judgment to protect themselves and their family in that community without necessarily having to mandate anything because, you know, there is a fatigue about being mandated. People don't like to be told what to do. But you really want to very strongly encourage people that when you're having a rather strong uptick in infections, which is followed by an uptick in hospitalizations, you want to make sure you do something to mitigate against that. So in other words, because we're hearing about masks possibly coming back in L.A. and New York and other liberal places um, where there are people still wearing masks to this day, um, you know, that those are going to be the first places that mandate masks because the people who live there love the government telling them what to do. They do. They thrive on it. They love it. I, I live in New Jersey. I've seen it in New York. I, I see people. I go to the grocery store and every now and then. You see people wearing masks. What really bothers me is the young kids wearing masks. And like the mom's not wearing a mask, but the kids are wearing masks. I don't know. It, it bothers me. I think these kids have been so scared and so brainwashed into, oh my gosh, a germ is going to get me, that um, they're they're wearing these masks. And I know that R- RSV is out there. I get it. But it, it really affects the real, real young, like little kid, little, little kids, infants, toddlers, that, t- that type. Um but this is what happens when you lock everybody up and nobody gets the flu for two years and nobody communicates germs between each other for two years. This is what happens. You get it all at once, unfortunately. So Fauci has finally realized that people don't like being told what to do. And I thought, wow, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> so we're just talking about Buddha Judge and the fact that you probably didn't know that he's flying all over the world uh, on your dime uh, in private jets. Uh, thank you. Merry Christmas to Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Victor in Maryland makes a great point. Victor, welcome to the show. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing okay. Um, I lost just about all my vision now. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So anyway, what I called in about was um, these electric cars don't make any noise whatsoever. So I'm standing there wondering when I can cross the street. Fortunately, there's more cars with motors, so I can hear them, and I know when to cross. And every now and then, I have to get somebody to cross with me, just the way you helped me find that restaurant that I was looking for when you did the morning show a number of years ago. Yes, yeah. Well, let me ask you a question, though. Don't the... um don't, don't the traffic lights now have that that signal that lets you know that it's oh safe to walk that that sound? If they work, that's the problem. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've I, heard that I've heard this before, and I'm glad you called with this because a lot of people don't know this that um, this this advent of quieter cars. You know, my car is a hybrid. There are cars that um, you know, my hybrid when it's in electric mode doesn't make a lot of noise. When it's in gas mode, it does make more noise. So I get it uh, if you're if you are sight impaired 
that not being able to hear that and worrying about stepping out into the street because someone may be driving an electric vehicle is absolute, genuine, legitimate fear. So I, I don't know if they will make them. I would guess they can put something on them to make them make noise for the sight impaired. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. We got to run, Victor. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a Merry Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Uh, and I hope that the next year brings you lots of blessings. Uh, we have a lot coming up. I have some questions for you as well. Want to get your opinion on some things happening in the news. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Todd Starn Show. I'm Grace Baker with The Todd Starn Show. And folks, I've got a story to tell you. You know how much I love Merlo and how I want her to be around for a very long time. So Todd Starnes recommended I start giving her pomade supplements. I already have started seeing her happier even during cloudy days, and it's made a world of difference in her overall well-being. So why does Grace need to supplement Merlo's diet? Well, because they do the same thing to pet food that they do to most human food these days. They strip it of all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients that your dog needs to be healthy. Imagine your pet suffering because of a poor diet, being unable to tell you. Well, I know you want to avoid that, so I want to tell you about Longevity Formula from PawMade. It's an all-natural health supplement for dogs made with 23 dog-friendly superfoods to keep your pup healthy and strong. Veterinarian-approved longevity formula boosts nutrient intake, protects against toxins, and guards against premature aging. And that's important because aside from poor diet, toxins like pesticides, mold, and air pollution, they can all harm your pup's health. But Longevity Formula contains special toxin-fighting nutrients to protect your dog so they can live a long, happy life by your side. These include premium-quality superfoods like organic mushrooms, kelp, goji berry, and two kinds of probiotics, and many more. Right now, there's a limited-time offer exclusively for our listeners. For every purchase of Longevity Formula, you'll receive a free bottle of Palmade's Hip and Joint Formula. To claim your offer, go to palmade.com slash Todd or call toll-free 8 833- Three three paw made. That's p a w m a d e dot com slash Todd or call eight three three paw made. For Todd, Todd is back with you tomorrow. Uh, just a, a note, a programming note, I guess. Um, I do have a podcast. If you'd like to join me on Tuesdays and Thursdays, seven fifteen p.m. Eastern time. On Tuesdays, we do non-political. It's a, it's more fun. We talk about life stuff. It's called Life with Mary Walter. Um, we have a good laugh. And uh, you can comment if you're watching on YouTube or Getter. It's carried live. And you can type in your comments and we read them on the air and we pop them up on the screen. And then on Thursdays, I do a political podcast, 7.15 Eastern Time on both Getter and YouTube live. And then later, the audio will be up on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, that you can listen to there. So it's called Mary Walter Radio or Life with Mary Walter. Search for either one of those things on YouTube or um, Getter on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, back to the show. I have to share this piece of news with you. I have have several pieces of news that you probably haven't heard, but I had to share this with you. So there is a, quote, notorious drug cartel leader and hitman who is suspected of torturing and decapitating dozens of his victims. His name is Edgar Valdez Villarreal. 
Valdez, Ria, Ria Villarreal. I guess I'm going to have to learn how to say Spanish because I'm going to be speaking it in 10 years, right? So I'm going to have to work on my Spanish pronunciations. Um, he's He um, has somehow, 49 years old, and we had him in custody or have him in custody, but nobody seems to know because he has vanished from the federal prison database. He was not up for release until 2056. Now, I read this story before we traded Brittany Griner, right? And I thought, wow, that's weird. Must be a cl- you know, clerical error. Now that I saw the trade that Biden made for Brittany Griner, glad she's home, glad we brought an American home. That was not a good trade. That was a bad deal. That was a bad, bad deal. Bad deal. We released the merchant of death. So uh, in exchange for one American that they're holding, we left the two white guys over there. Just saying. Uh, and, and so this guy has just vanished. He's now listed as not in BOP, Bureau of Prisons, custody on the Bureau of Prisons website. Now, the BOP says that it released Valdez via Real on November 27th. Now, why would you release him if he's not up for release until 2056? The Bureau, though, they uh, frequently lists inmates as released when they've been transferred to the custody of another group. Huh. So who would we have released him to that's not in the U.S. Federal Bureau of Prisons database? That's kind of weird. It's a head-scratcher. Um, Mexican President uh, AMLO, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, said last week, was asking, um, we want to know where this guy is, you know, because um, he, he decapitates a lot of people, and he, he's, he likes to torture people. So if you could give us a head up, the border's not all that secure. It's so like if you dumped him across the border, we'd like to know. And um, he, he told reporters, it's very strange what's going on in the United States with Mr. Villarreal, who is no longer registered among those in custody, and we want to know where he is. There is no reason for him to leave prison because he was condemned to many years, unless there's some kind of an agreement. He was extradited to the U.S. in 2015, sentenced to 49 years in prison. He's being housed at a was being housed at a facility in Florida. The Bureau of Prisons is not answering any kind of questions about this. Um, he joined the Sinaloa cartel under El Chapo. And by the time he joined, he had already become notorious for torturing and decapita- decapitating his victims and filming the violence. You know, a la, well... Never mind. Uh, filming the violence. I almost made a bad comparison there. Um, so he was ultimately taken into custody after a firefight with Mexican police in 2010, and we got him in 2015. We extradited him. So, again, in light of the people in the prison that um, our current president likes to let go, mm, I wonder. I'll just share that with you and leave that there. Okay. 844-747-8868. I think you may want to comment on this one. All right. I find this amazing. And this is part of why America is just in a death spiral. It's a woman named Chelsea Blackman. And her attorney has filed compla- a complaint in the district court for Southern, uh, the Southern District of Florida. Filed it on November 16th, saying that her client was wrongfully terminated from her job. Now, according to the complaint, Blackman was hired for at Spirit Airlines after she passed all the training and compliance protocols, including being able to buckle the seatbelt in the jump seat. Because, you know, they sit in those little jump seats in the front and back of the plane, and they flip up those little seats, you know, for, for the flight attendants. 
Now, she had worked for several flights, including multiple Spirit Airlines Airbus 319 flights, um, you know, when she got hired. Okay. According to the complaint, September 3rd in 2021, she was signed to work on an Airbus, however, 319 flight, which she previously worked, but she could no longer buckle herself into the jump seat using the seatbelt. Uh-huh. So she had to get off the plane. And clearly you can't buy two seats when you're sitting in the jump seat. So an investigation was held. She got a letter on September 27th. They asked her to appear in person around October 8th uh, to demonstrate that she could fit into a jump seat. And uh, at the meeting, she was again unable to buckle herself into the, with the seatbelt. So she was fired on November 3rd, about a week later, from Spirit Airlines. So she's suing, saying, well, you shouldn't have fired me. Hmm. I don't know. I think sitting in, fitting in the seat, part of your job. Mary, I mean, honestly, think about it. If you can't do the basics of your job, I mean, you're going to get fired. That's kind of the way that works. If I'm working at Target and I cannot handle counting change... You know, they're not going to have me at the register. That's just the way that works. Okay, well, that's a bad example because there is not not a cashier out there, unless they're over the age of 50, who can make change without looking at the register to find out how much change to give. That's a fair point. And they still are hired there. So Exactly. That's a a bad example. But you get my point. The the bars, like, like our last caller, Victor, right, who is now, who is legally blind, we're not going to let him be the pilot. Of course not. Right? And that's reasonable. But if you can't fit in the jump seat, I, I don't know, part of your job, like you said. Exactly. You need to go find another job. There's plenty but of other this things. is where we are. <laughs> that's apparently, yeah, that, that's, this is some big controversy. And, you know, you're turning it into an issue that it's not. So, Typical. Well, there's a little bit more to it. Are you ready? Oh. Are you ready, everybody? Oh, okay. 844-747-8868. And it's a little scary that Grace and I agree, um, at least for me. Okay. So the complaint alleges that Spirit Airlines directed her, d- directed her to buckle herself into a jump seat that was too small for her. They don't make them the size of a small, you know, love seat. No. They have to fit in a certain area because they fold up against the wall so the passengers can get in and out of the plane easily in case of an emergency or just in general. I mean, listen, the passenger seats are not all that comfortable either unless you're flying first class. I mean, I'm always kind of squeezed in there. I'm like, oh, my goodness, can I? And if there's you really hit the jackpot, if nobody's sitting next to you, if the person didn't show up, then you're like, oh, I have room. I can spread because I'm a tall girl. I'm almost six foot tall. So I'm always like kind of scrunched in there. And I'm like. I don't know how people who are over six foot sit in here, but well, you buy the you buy spring the extras like sixty five bucks for the room with for the seat with the extra leg room. Yeah, oh, the Comfort Plus if you're flying Delta. There you go. Yeah, just 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 spring for it. Are you kidding? I'm such a bad flyer. I actually have to take Valium before I get on a plane if it's going to be squishy oh, like that. No. Because you know you know why I'm claustrophobic and people are breathing my air because oh. everyone insists on standing up. Before we get to the gate, because I got to get their luggage down so they can stand in line because they're yes. more important than everybody else. Yes. And and they're standing right there and they're hovering over me and I just start to get claustrophobic and I'm like, sit down. Blah, blah, blah. my husband won't let me do that, but I'm like, they need to sit down. They need to sit down. They need to. Sit. He's like, open your mouth. Here's a Valium. Go. You know? <laughs> Here's some water. Chug, chug, chug. <laughs> exactly. So um, I'm not going to be super happy if the flight attendant can't fit in the seat. No, that'd be kind of an issue. 
Yes. So there's a little bit more to this. Her lawsuit also claims that because she's African-American, she's the subject of racial discrimination. There it is. I was waiting for race to come into it. I was like, there's always there's something about race. Got to make it about that. Not about, you know, qualifications or doing your job. It's about the way you look. She claims that there was a Caucasian flight attendant who was also in the early stages of her career and was hired around the same time that had the issue of, quote, fitting into the jump seat. But she was given several months to fit into the jump seat. Hmm. And they're also, they claim that uh, Spirit Airlines is willful and malicious and disregarded her rights under the Civil Rights Act oh upon firing goodness. her. She now claims she suffered from lost wages. All right, I get that. Compensatory damage and mental anguish, of course. Um, and so she is requesting that the court award her back pay, front pay, compensatory damages, punitive damages, attorney's fees, costs, and other further reliefs. And she's requesting a trial by jury. That is a mouthful, Mary. Mm-hmm. Well, she wants a lot of stuff. Because girlfriend probably doesn't ever want to work again. Yeah, probably. She's like, well, now I'm going to be set for the rest of my life. Exactly. So, so, you know, if you want to comment, you want to jump in here, feel free. 844-747-8868. But have we hit that point where we throw safety out the window because we might hurt someone's feelings because the overweight woman or man really has always dreamed of being a flight attendant and you cannot quash their dreams? Because that's kind of where we are. It's, there, was a, there was a case in New York City, the subway. There was a subway uh, engineer who could no longer fit. Because like where they sit in the front of the subway, the train, it's, it's like a compartment. It's not super big. When there, there's like one, I think there's a place to stand and a place to sit. He couldn't fit in there anymore. And he sued because they relieved him of his duties. Well, if you can't fit in there and do the job, I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm a horrible, terrible person. But I vote with that. I vote with you not being able to drive the train that I'm on if you can't do the job. 844-747-8868, but apparently I am racist. So there you go. Maybe you're racist too. (laughs) Get your calls coming up on the Todd Starn Show. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis, and they don't have a clue how to fix it, folks. Our economy is in trouble, and you need to take steps to protect yourself. Now, if all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you're vulnerable. Gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical gold. They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely to your house. Did you know a million dollars worth of gold can fit in a shoebox? Call Legacy at 866-649-0304 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's 866-649-0304 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. I'm Mary Walter in for Todd Starnes, 844-747-8868. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by Congressman Ben Klein. We'll discuss the Twitter files, immigration, uh, hearings that the right says they're going to have. Will they? We'll find out because I don't kind of doubt it a little bit. Grace just sent me this. I have to share it with you because I am laughing so hard. I have to share this with you. This is Awesome. Okay. 
So the New York Times just released a list of the 93 most stylish people of the year. Um, it includes uh, Kim Kardashian, Beyonce, Harry Styles, which Harry Styles, uh, he, I guess you have to dress like super weird. But there's also some other people included in the list. Ayanna Presley is on the list. Um, she was celebrated for both her style and her work this year, introducing the Crown Act legislation that passed the House, but not the Senate. The bill, an acronym for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair, would prohibit discrimination in workplaces based on hairstyles. Uh, the Times also praised Presley, who has alopecia, for having worn her bare scalp with aplomb. Okay. I give mad props to anybody who has like alopecia and can and just rock it. I give you such it, it, I have mad respect for you because I can't imagine what that is like. When I got COVID, I had COVID hair loss and I thought I was going bald and I was beside myself. Thank God it started to come back in. Okay. So I cannot imagine especially as a woman how hard that is. So I do give her respect for that. But I don't know. Um don't we have bigger problems? than the way people wear their hair at work. You know, I'm a big fan of, it's my business. If I want you talking, if I, if you're going to be talking to customers, like if I have some kind of a business where you're face-to-face with customers, I don't want them to be afraid of you. So like face tattoos, you know, that maybe have like daggers or, you know, I want to kill you on your written out on your forehead. I just don't think that's good for business. I should be allowed to say that. Different topic. But anyway, um, other people who made the list, of course, Katanji Brown-Jackson for Rockin' the Robe. Uh, she's known for her statement necklaces. Eric Adams, selected for his impeccably tailored suits and referred to as the party mayor. The late Queen Elizabeth was also in there for the hats, the hair, the handbags. For 70 years, Elizabeth II was not just the queen, but the defining image of one. Also on the list was the James Webb Telescope, which has captured stunning pictures of the universe this year and the beautiful and invasive spotted lantern fly. I've killed many of those. So clearly no conservatives on the list at all. And they needed some more. So uh, they included on the list, because I guess there's only so many Democrats they can put on the list without just repeating themselves. So guess who else made the list? Are you ready for this? Are you ready? John Fetterman. Yep, I kid you not. John Fetterman made the list. The man who looks like he just walked out of a dumpster made the list with the ill-fitting, the sneakers that are too big with no socks and the moobs under the under the sweatshirt with no bra. Uh, the the oh my he, I can, I'm sorry. I don't like to say, say this. Listen, if you have something going on looks-wise that you can't help, I will never comment on that because I don't think that's fair he can change how he dresses so in my world that's fair game he chooses to look like a homeless person homeless people don't choose that he chooses that he's living off my been living off mom and daddy his whole life he's got money courtesy of mom and dad he looks like he smells to me like he looks if I saw him walking down the street I would go to the other side of the street just because I do not want to have to smell the wafting that goes past me when he walks by that's what he looks like to me right he's the guy when if he walks into a store the perfume guy is just going to just bathe him in the perfume no really seriously her sir here you go John Fetterman Fetterman was featured on the list featured 
next to a photo of him wearing his traditional uniform of a hooded sweatshirt, shorts, and a pair of sneakers. The Times commented that Fetterman would bring the workwear clothing brand Carhartt to Capitol Hill. Yeah, because he's so much a man of the people. He's never had a manual labor job in his life. In his life. It's a costume. That's all he's doing is wearing a costume. To, make, to pretend like he's like the everyman. I cannot thank Grace enough for sending this to me because this is hilarious. John Fetterman. Now, remember, Melania Trump, insanely beautiful, wore gorgeous, amazing clothes. Never once on the cover of Vogue. Never. I'm going to go with 100% sure that she was never on the New York Times list of the 93 most stylish people of the year. Never. They should just rename this and just and just call it the 93 most uh, stylish liberals of the year or Democrats of the year. That's what they should call this because that's what it is. This isn't this is just more. They love to pat themselves on the back. They love to self congratulate. This is why nobody watches the Grammys anymore. Or any of those award shows, the Emmys, the Grammys. I don't even know what's what. The Emmys, I guess, are movies and Grammys or radio, whatever. Music. Nobody watches that anymore because nobody cares. Because all they do is sit there and bash half the country and congratulate themselves and applaud at how wonderful they are. We're so fantastic. We are so awesome. That's what they do. I hate award shows. Ridiculous. Although I will admit. I did have the CMAs on in the background when I was doing some stuff at home one night. I remember having it on in the background because I like the music. And it tends not to be political, which I enjoy. I don't always want politics shoved down my throat. Imagine that. All right. uh, Coming up. Congressman Ben Klein out of Virginia will be joining us. We're going to discuss the Twitter files. The problem with immigration. January 6th hearings. And government funding declining. It's all coming up on the Todd Starn Show. My Pillow is excited to announce the original My Slippers are back in stock just in time for the holidays. Last Christmas, you made our slippers the number one selling My Pillow product, and now they've added smaller sizes, larger sizes, and even wider sizes in all new colors. What makes My Slippers different is the exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My Slippers' patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve stress on your feet from all the running around this holiday. You can wear them anytime, anywhere, and save $90 off with promo code STARNS. That's only $49.98 a pair. You'll absolutely love my slippers, and now they're extending their 60-day money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2023, making them the best Christmas gift ever. So go to MyPillow.com and use promo code STARNS, or call 1-800-839-8506, promo code STARNS, to save $90 on the original My Slippers. That's only $49.98 a pair. Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's conservative blowtorch. That's us. That's right. I love this American ride. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Todd Starnes. Todd is back with you tomorrow. 
Coming up in one hour, we'll be joined by Hogan Gidley. We'll discuss the Twitter files and everything that was released this weekend. Right now, though, we're joined by Congressman Ben Klein out of Virginia. Congressman, thank you for joining me. Mary, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I have so many questions for you. See, I am a big fan, and I know we've spoken before, but I'm a big fan of Republicans treating Democrats the way Democrats treat Republicans, right? Because <laughs> they're ruthless, and Republicans, eh, they kind of hand the Democrats their lunch money on a regular basis. So I have a couple stories here. First of all, let me ask you a question, and this is kind of along these lines. Why is Sam Bankman fried not in federal custody right now? I have no idea. I'm... I'm- Stunned that he is going to be apparently in Washington testifying soon. Is that what I saw? And and uh, that's just uh, remarkable given the amount of money that has been lost through what is apparently fraudulent activity on his part. And I, I would assume that they have enough evidence uh, and have talked to enough people to put him in handcuffs and, and put, bring him in front of a magistrate and charge him. What I find fascinating is that uh, Maxine Waters says that she's going to give him a chance to vo- to testify voluntarily. Supposedly, he's testifying the 13th tomorrow. So you are right. Uh, but she said a subpoena is definitely on the table. My God, they went after Peter Navarro at an airport in front of everyone in the airport and put him in leg irons. Well, it's, it's selective prosecution, and uh, that is something that we're going to be looking at in the Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, when he becomes chairman, is going to uh, uncover and release information about exactly how bad the partisanship has gotten in our intelligence agencies and then down at DOJ. Um, we have to push back on it because they just can't be allowed to continue operating uh, the way they have been, picking, uh, picking and choosing who they're going after instead of uh, uh, blindly applying the law as you know, justice is blind, and, and that's the way they're supposed to be applying it, but we haven't seen that for many, many years. Oh, no, it is it is out of control. Um, I have, a, well, let, let's talk about that. We know Kevin McCarthy came out and said that, um, you know, there, there will be subpoenas regarding Twitter, and he wants the 51 uh, spies who lied to, to come forward and testify. But in the past, uh, Congress has been lied to. Republicans, when they've had hearings, have been lied to. And nothing happens. How come? Uh, absolutely. We have uh, gotten too many uh, people who are afraid to use the tools at the disposal of Congress, uh, subpoena power and enforcement of those subpoenas and referrals to DOJ. Uh, but when DOJ doesn't want to uh, prosecute liberals and they only want to prosecute conservatives uh, for ignoring subpoenas or uh, telling lies under oath in, uh, to a congressional committee. Uh, those are the kinds of things that have to end. The voters have elected a Republican House uh, because they want to see change. And uh, that's one thing that Republican speakers of the past, whether it's John Boehner or Dennis Hastert or Paul Ryan's House, have been uh, not ready to stand up for uh, the American people and not ready to uh, govern like the conservative Congress that uh, voters voted into office. And so we've got to make a change this time around. So speaking of change, will there be a change in leadership, though? 
that remains to be seen. Uh, you know, the Freedom Caucus, I'm a proud member of the Freedom Caucus, and uh, we have offered up many suggestions to Kevin McCarthy uh, on ways that we need to see the change. And he's made some, and the rules have been changed some. It's not enough, but we need to see more. And uh, we need to see more Freedom Caucus members on the committees uh, that are called A committees. We need to see more uh, more changes to the way that this place operates uh, in terms of the uh, abuse of power when it comes to the spending of taxpayer dollars. When it comes to, you know, we have a... a uh, problem in Congress where we combine bills so that uh, too many things are combined together and you may vote for one good thing, but you have a host of bad things attached to it. That has to end. We have to implement something called the single purpose rule. We have it at state legislatures all over the country and they get their work done. We can get it done in Washington, too. Unfortunately, I think there were just too many on the Republican side who were part of what I call the party, capital T, capital P. And they're on the same the same page as a lot of establishment Democrats, you know, establishment Republicans are on the same page. They don't want bills like that because they can't push through their pet projects that either puts money in their pockets or um, money in their spouses' pockets, uh, or, or, or they you know bring, can't campaign on it when they go home to their constituents. So those are the types of things that I think drive people absolutely nuts, and. I got to tell you, just don't have hopes of it changing just because I've heard this song before. And, and uh, you know, voters would, it would be understandable for voters to be pessimistic, but they want to see action. They voted in conservative uh, Republicans into the majority, and hopefully conservatives will be able to leverage uh, what is essentially a, a small majority to make some changes. And, and those changes are designed to benefit uh, the voters, not to pad the own nests of the nests of of incumbent members of Congress. You know, voters don't understand why uh, people like Pelosi go into Congress, come out thirty years later, yeah. multimillionaires. Yeah. And uh, it, we should take action regarding uh, the investment in purchase of stocks by members and their spouses. Uh, we should take action regarding earmarks. Uh, we should limit that, you know, if, if you want to focus money on a highway in your district that's a public highway, uh, you should be able to uh, focus resources there. But uh, you shouldn't be able to spend it on some kind of um, some kind of uh, other you know, type of uh, just pet project for your district uh, that has nothing to do with core purposes of government or core infrastructure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just have so many questions for you. Let's talk about the Twitter files. And we found what we we all suspected. We all knew um, that that there was censorship going around. But what was really disturbing, and the mainstream media, of course, is totally ignoring this, and they're poo-pooing it. Yeah, it's no big deal. Uh, the DOJ, the FBI, um, I think it was uh, DNI, being involved in the censoring of material or requesting materials be censored on Twitter before an election. And we're finding out it wasn't just the Hunter Biden laptop, that there were other things that were being censored that affected the outcome of an election. Now, I, you know, Kevin McCarthy stood up on, you know, with Maria Bartiromo and said the right thing and said, like, oh, there's going to all these people are going to have to answer. 
a lot of people answer. They they lie. A lot of them lie, get away with it, or nothing happens to them. Literally, nothing happens. So this is why people do those things. Why is this time going to be different? Well, I think that you're going to see Republicans put a bright light on the abuses, and fortunately, we have somebody in Elon Musk who is interested in seeing the truth come out and who is releasing the Twitter files and happy to uh, help work with those who want to shine sunlight on the process, whereas before you had this conspiratorial collusion between big tech and the Democrats and the mainstream media to keep it all silent and to keep it all uh, undercover. But, uh, you know, Elon Musk said it best. I think I'm going to paraphrase a tweet, but essentially saying, you know, when a tech company uh, exercises content control that is not a first amendment violation but when they conspire or follow the orders of the government to limit certain viewpoints that most certainly is and so there is going to be uh, an an effect from this process that congress is going to take action if the house uh, the house will take the lead the senate is reluctant to do anything and so we'll have to leverage the power of the purse to make sure that we bring big tech to heal because that ultimately is what the voters ask for. Yeah, Section 230 has, has got to be changed. That, that, that's got to be done. Or repealed. I mean, or, if, if yeah. it can't be changed the right way, it needs to be repealed. A hundred percent. Okay, so I, I want to get to immigration quickly, but I have a question for you. There are people still sitting in the deplorables jail in Washington, D.C. Where the heck has Congress been besides like Louie Gomer, Marjorie Taylor Greene? Why are they not holding every press conference outside of that jail? Why are they not down there creating a spectacle? It is disgusting. It is a violation of these people's rights. Where are the Republicans? Well, you know what? I carry a constitution in my pocket to remind me exactly what the rule book is for members of Congress and for the federal government. You know, it's a very small document. It's not, uh, it's not pages and pages of, of rules and regulations. And due process rights apply to every American. And that includes those who are currently in jail because of uh, January 6th. And so, uh, they, need to be afforded those rights just like every other American. If they're held in jail uh, and the conditions are uh, not acceptable, then the uh, attorney needs to raise that with the judge. If uh, you have a ju- uh, an attorney who is not consulting or not visiting uh, with the defendant uh, to hear their complaints, then that needs to be raised. Uh, you know, there are a whole host of rights that are afforded to those uh, who are pretrial, and that's the condition that, you know, we find them in right now. And those people uh, have the same constitutional rights as any other American uh, face. Agree. But with all due with respect, but with all due respect, a lot of these people can't afford attorneys. A lot of these people have lost their homes, they've lost their jobs, they've lost everything. And I would expect if my husband were in a deplorable jail for two years and I've sold everything just to you know feed my family and I can't get a lawyer, I would expect my congressman or woman to be down there raising holy hell to get my husband his rights. And I don't see... Republicans doing that. I see like Louis, like I said, Louis Gohmert, Marjorie Taylor Greene down there. There's a handful. 
but I really think I'm shocked at the lack of of interest and pounding of a drum and and Republicans just allowing this to happen and saying, yeah, well, it's really wrong. I I, I just I don't understand it. Can, can you explain it to me? And and one of the problems that we see is this the in, in, incestuous nature of. Uh, the D.C. justice system, where you have yes. um, a, a, a one-party system. Essentially, you don't have any kind of balance in the system where you have uh, judges, uh, the bar, the prosecution, the defense attorneys, um, and uh, there needs to be uh, some oversight over this system, which is technically not, you know, it's not a state as much as they want to be a state. It's not a state, and so they are accountable to, they're funded by Washington, D.C., uh, they're funded by the Congress, and and they need to uh, make yeah. sure that Congress has a responsibility to make sure that the funds, taxpayer funds that are appropriated for the justice system in D.C. Uh, are appropriated in a way that ensures the rights of all those yeah. in D.C. are protected, including those who are facing uh, charges uh, related to January 6th. I agree wholeheartedly, but in the meantime, while the wheels of justice move slowly, especially in their case, it's not moving at all, and Congress is going to oversight, and we'll look at the money, we're going to do that. These people are have their lives ruined. These people are suicidal. These people are suffering mental and physical uh, anguish that you would see in a third world country, and it's just deeply unsatisfying to see the lack of screaming and uproar and constant drumbeat. They're just not coming from the Republicans. Um, I, I, I had so much more to ask you, and I just, we, we've run out of time, but you are such a trooper for coming on and letting me ask you the tough questions. I really appreciate that. I wish, you know, more in Washington, D.C. Would, would be willing to answer tough questions. Thank you so much, Congressman. Always glad to come on anytime. Absolutely. Have a wonderful Christmas, and thank you. 844-747-8868 if you'd like to comment. I'm Mary Walter, and you're listening to The Todd Starn Show. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So if you're just joining us, I am Mary Walter sitting in for Todd Starnes. You just missed a great interview. At least I think it was pretty good uh, with Congressman Ben Klein. Um, I don't know. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, I had a sh- news that I just have to share with you. 
this is happening more. You're seeing more and more stories about this. And you can jump in anywhere, by the way, along the line, should you choose to. 844-747-8868. 844-747-8868 is my number. And um, there... There was a, 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 here's another story about a famous person who transitioned and then it changed their mind and said, oh yeah, I'm not doing that. And then transitioned back or in the process of transitioning back. And the problem with changing your gender is sometimes you cut off body parts and then you can't get it back or you take these puberty blockers and you can't undo it. And there was a Navy SEAL who became famous about 10 years ago after coming out as transgendered. Well, now he's back. His name is Chris Beck. He was used to be Kristen Beck. And he did an interview with Robbie Starbuck and it was published earlier this month and said, everything that happened to me for the last 10 years destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I'm not a victim. I did this to myself, but I had help. I take full responsibility. I went on CNN and everything else. And that's why I'm here right now. I'm trying to correct that. Back in 23, he got very famous for being on with Anderson Cooper and um, saying, talking about transitioning to a woman. And he said, I was used. I was very naive. I was in a really bad way. I had got, I got taken advantage of. I got propagandized. I got used badly by a lot of people who had knowledge way beyond me. They knew what they were doing. I didn't. This guy served in the Navy for 20 years. He was on SEAL Team 6. He was deployed 13 times, received more than 50 medals and ribbons for his service. And he said that he's speaking out now because he wants to protect children. He said there are thousands of gender clinics being put up all over America. As soon as kids go in and say, I'm a tomboy, or this makes me feel uncomfortable, a psychologist says, oh, you're transgendered, and then the next day you're on hormones. The same hormones they're using for medical castration for pedophiles, they are giving to healthy 13 years old. He said, I am trying to tell America to wake up. And he said, when he began transitioning, it took only an hour-long meeting at the VA to be offered hormones. I walked into a psychologist's office, and a day later, I have a letter in my hand saying I was transgendered, I was authorized for hormones, and authorized for all this other stuff. He says he's been off hormones for about seven years now. And that's the problem. Listen, I'm, I'm a big fan of you, do you? If you are a grown adult not 20 years old, you know, you're fully baked and you decide to do this. Okay. You do you. Doesn't doesn't bother me in any way, shape or form. You're not, you're not infringing on my rights to do that. Go for it. But you should have to see a psychologist. You should have to see a psychologist for more than one hour. It should be at least a year. I know two men who became women. They had three years of therapy before they even started the process. And they will tell you as great. They did it in their thirties. And they will tell you, as kids, you're not ready to make this type of decision, and it's wrong. All right, uh, coming up, I've got a question for you on the Todd Starn Show. Starn Show. I am Mary Welter, live in the Liberty University studios. I guess you would be live. I guess you would know that I was live. I, didn't, I always wonder what people say. They're like, well, what else would you be? Uh, so yeah, uh, coming up, we will be joined by um, Hogan Gidley from Newsmax Contributor, and we're going to discuss the uh, Twitter files 
that were released are just coming out faster and faster. And there's so much in them, and the mainstream media is totally ignoring them. I got to tell you something, now more than ever, it is important to support companies and organizations that share our values, right? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Yep, they're it. They not only share your beliefs, but they actually do something about it. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar to organizations that fight for causes that you care about. Switch to Patriot Mobile now. You use the promo code TOD to get free activation and a free gift. Patriot Mobile has the broadest nationwide coverage, and they use the same towers that other carriers use. They have plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veterans and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. Switching to Patriot Mobile, super easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com forward slash Todd, T-O-D-D, or you can call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Get your special discount and free premier activation by using the promo code TOD. For more details, visit patriotmobile.com forward slash TOD. That's patriotmobile.com slash TOD or call 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. All right. I'm going to give you my number, 844-747-8868, 844-747-8868. And I want to share a story with you. And this this is what I want to ask you And when we get outside the story is, did you ever let your kids just play outside by themselves? Like you're not standing out there watching them. You're not in the kitchen at the sink watching everything they do. They are playing, they believe, unsuper- unsupervised. They're just playing unsupervised like little kids, and were you uncomfortable doing that? Like, Were you comfortable doing it? Uh, was it something that you're like, oh, it's easy to say, but until you have kids, it's super hard to do? And the reason I ask is a story out of Western Virginia in a, a rural area of Western Virginia. Western Virginia is pretty rural, period. You know, the further you get away from Washington, D.C., the more pleasant Virginia gets. It's shocking. How a lot of the countries like that. The further away you get from Washington, the more you like it. Uh, so there's this mom, Emily Field. She has three kids. She has um, two girls, ages six and eight, and then she has a little boy, age four, and they were playing outside. And in uh, May of 2021, uh, the four-year-old little boy uh, kicked a soccer ball across the road. He kicked it at the neighbor's cat. He didn't hit the neighbor's cat. That's what little boys do. Little boys are very destructive little creatures. But that's what they do. It's called being a boy. Neighbor yelled at him, took a ball. Really? Uh, But now Emily says that her sister was outside watching the kids. She homeschools her kids. But by the time she got home about 15 minutes later, the kids and the sister were inside. They told her what happened. So she went over to the neighbor's house to apologize. I'm really sorry my kid did that. And that's what you do when you're a neighbor. You go over and you talk to the neighbor because your kids are going to get in fights and things are going to happen. And so you go over as the adult and you mediate it and go, really sorry my kid dad. I did that. We had a discussion. It's not going to happen again. If it happens again, please let me know. And, you, you know, you handle it like an adult. All right. So the... Um, as she's walked to her neighbor's uh, to the neighbor's house, she didn't get to the house, and they start yelling at her, according to her. Now, this is her side. She said that everyone in the neighborhood thought I was a horrible mother and that my children abused animals, and they were going to call CPS every day, Child Protective Services, until my children were taken away from me. Oh, Lord. There's one in every neighborhood, isn't there? And you know who the one is in your neighborhood. And if you don't think there's one in your neighborhood, you're it. 
you're the one. <laughs> just thought I'd let you know. If you don't think it's there is one, my neighborhood doesn't have anyone like that. You're like, oh, that's you. Uh, so the neighbors did call Child Protective Services. Two workers came the next day to investigate the soccer ball incident. Uh, they had been called three years earlier when someone reported the kids. At the time, they were aged two, five, and six because they were playing outside unsupervised. I had to tell you, maybe I am old as dirt, but I remember as a little kid, I was... I. I vividly remember my parents had where we lived had a fenced in backyard because we had a uh, we had an above ground pool when I was a little kid and we moved out of that house when I was seven. So I was a little kid. I was probably like four or five years old and our neighbors, you know, right next door had a a kid the same age as me. But I remember being in that backyard by myself and my mother needed to do stuff in the house. So she gave me and I knew I was not allowed to leave the, the fenced in backyard couldn't and I couldn't unlock the, the the door the gate so I was I was back there she gave me a shaker of salt and told me that if I could get salt on a bird's tail I could keep the bird right it would be my pet because it wouldn't be able to fly and dumb old me four-year-old me ran around that backyard for hours with a, with a salt shaker trying to get salt on a bird's tail so that I could keep it as a pet. It was brilliant. And my mom got a lot of stuff done in the house because I was in the backyard unsupervised, unsupervised. Clearly, my parents, my mother was a bad mother. I had no idea. But according to Child Protective Services, this woman's a bad mother. But she says... They weren't unsupervised. They thought they were unsupervised. She said she was watching them from the window, and every about 10 or 15 minutes, she would go outside to check on them. But the neighbors, the busybody neighbors, didn't know that. 844-747-8868. But bottom line in the story is she was told by CPS that the children need to be supervised at all times until they turn 13 years old. 13. Now, when I was younger than that, my parents are leaving us alone. They would go to like a restaurant. They give me the phone number of the restaurant. And I'm not talking like eight years old, but maybe like 10. They'd be locally or they'd be at a neighbor's house. When I was real little, real little, my mother would go next door to our other neighbor's house if it was nice. And the two of them would sit at a picnic table in the neighbor's backyard with the phone on high, the ringer on the phone on high. Because there were no cell phones. And my mother would be back there having coffee and cake, you know, like coffee cake or rolls or something with the lady next door. And I would still be asleep. But when I got up, I would look out the window. I would see my mom was over there because this was the routine. And I would go downstairs and I would call over there and the phone would ring. And then my mother would come over and get me and help me get dressed. And then that was it. Can you believe that now you would be arrested? You would be arrested. So I guess how terrible were your parents? <laughs> I told you how awful and terrible and neglectful mine were. How awful were yours? 844-747-8868. Do we over-supervise our kids? I think we do. I think they're over-supervised. I was a child. I was a mere tot. But I was capable of getting up, looking out the window, because I knew in the summer my mom would be next door, and... My mother would just, you know, I had the phone and and I knew to walk downstairs, dial the phone. I knew the phone number would be right next to the phone. I knew how to dial the phone. It was literally a dial. I could dial the phone. The phone would ring. My mother, they would go answer the phone and my mother would come over. 
I, I'm just curious, were your parents neglectful too? And, and, and are you afraid? I mean, has this changed? Do you not allow kids to even roam around outside until they're 13 years old? I babysat my brothers when I wasn't even 13 years old. My parents left us home alone and told me not to burn the house down. Don't let your brothers burn the house down. I'd be like, okay, I'm on it. I won't let them burn the house down. And they didn't. 844-747-8868. Things that you did when you were a kid that you can't let your kids do now. Because if you did, you're going to wind up with the authorities knocking on your door, either because, you know, nosy neighbor told them or the kid went to school and said, oh, yeah, my parents let us stay home alone. And, and the teacher's calling. There's so many people who are just got their nose in your business. If nothing happened and you're teaching your kids responsibility, I don't think that's a bad thing. Or am I just incompetent to be a parent? I just think this is ridiculous. 844-747-8868. I'll get your calls coming up on the Todd Starn Show. Walter in for Todd Starnes in the Liberty University Studios. Todd is back with you tomorrow. We've just been having a conversation about a mom in Virginia. The neighbors called the cops on her because she's not supervising her children while they play. And apparently you have to supervise them at all times until they're 13 years old. And I love telling my nieces like the stuff that we used to do when we were kids because they just look at me with like total disbelief. I'm like, no, 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 we, we did. My, my parents, my parents were like... Every parent was a free-range parent. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. We'd be gone all day in the woods behind the house. My parents would just be like, well, come home before it's dark. And we somehow managed to notice that it was getting dark out and go home. Um, nobody was ever abducted or killed or, you know, well, kids hurt themselves, but that was about it. Well, Mary, I will say that my childhood wasn't quite as adventurous as yours. However, I did have like neighborhood friends, like literally it'd be like, okay, I'm going to play with so-and-so down the road. You know, you kind of had to let mom know you were going to be here or there. But generally speaking, you could go for hours and play and then just come back for dinner. That was kind of what we did. So now people don't really do that. I mean, I had neighbors and then people down the cove and we would all kind of go get each other and then go play in someone's backyard or whatever. You always knew where kids were. Yeah. If they were at someone's house, just because all the bicycles were lined up. We would go rollerblading, biking, whatever, you know, and they would all be together. And people just kind of knew. And it would be like, oh, yeah, if you need to reach me, call so-and-so's mom, like, down there. That's just kind of what we did. Exactly. Exactly. I just had fun. Like, the toys that we had when I was a kid, I tell my nieces about them, and they're like, wait, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had these darts. We had, we, oh, you no. know, lawn darts, like the sharp, actual yeah. darts. Sharp objects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you could kill somebody with them. Um, we had the click clacks that were the big things of lucite on the edge of the string. And my mother took them away when we figured out how to launch them, like those, those uh, medieval things and like see, whack somebody in the head with them. Yeah. I was much more tame. It was like My Little Pony, you know, uh, that yeah, sort I grew of up with old boys. So, it was, <laughs> okay. It was well, a, that yeah. explains it. I was, yeah. you know, oldest child, girl different world totally different world (laughs) john from statesville north carolina on wsic john welcome to the todd starn show hi well thank you thank you for taking my call yeah i I think it's very interesting what kids do when they're young uh you're talking about being unsupervised I, i grew up about two blocks from a from a train station mm-hmm. and a little a little west of the train station maybe a less than a quarter of a mile was a bridge that went across the railroad track that 
cars drove over. Mm-hmm. And it was fairly low. And uh, when I was 10, my buddy was 9. We used to go crawl up under that bridge in the, in the wooden rafters of it. And mm-hmm. when the trains pulled out of the railroad station, it would be going very slow. And we would drop down on top of a boxcar mm-hmm. and ride the train up to Hickory, which was 22 or 23 miles away, and get another train up there and ride back to Stasel. Yep. You know, they do that a lot in the city areas here, because I'm in New Jersey, in the city areas, they will do that because the trains move slowly through, um, it's the same thing, you know, they move slowly through the more developed areas, and uh, kids do that all the time. Unfortunately, a lot of them get killed, so um, that's a very sad part of that story, but I think uh, years ago, kids did it a lot more than they do now, you know, um, did your, your parents know what you were doing or not? Well, they knew they knew we did it. We got we were, uh, you know, scolded for it and told us never to do it again. But I was ten, you know, and it was a train. Gosh, <laughs> I well, love that story, and it's something I have to tell you that only boys would do. If there were, if you hung out with a girl, she would say, "I don't think this is a good idea." But because you were hanging out with other boys, you kind of all knew it was a bad idea. But when boys, when they're younger, when they get together, they get dumber. It's they make you just make bad decisions. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> right? It didn't seem like a bad idea to me at the time. I said, of no, course not. <laughs> I'm on top of this train. We might see something along the way. You know. <laughs> John, I love that you shared that story. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you for joining me. I love that story. That's hilarious, but it is true. Having grown up with all brothers, it is amazing how when they get in a pack, they get in a group, they do get dumber. Like if they hung out with a girl, there would not there would be fewer poor choices made. Not that girls make all good choices. They just tend to make less dangerous choices than boys in general. So I love to tell my nieces, uh, we had a toy when I was a kid, and I'm dating myself here, but I don't know if you remember this. Uh, you, some of you will remember this. We had a thing called a thing maker, and, and you had the plastic goop and stuff, and they sold in all different colors. And the, it was they were literally steel plates that were molds. They were molds, steel molds. And you put this different color plastic goop. It came in a squeeze bottle. It had all different colors. And the boys had, like, bugs and snakes and things like that. And the girls had, like, there were, like, da- um, flowers and things and you, things like that. And and so you put the stuff in there, and you t- you had a little tool that in a little, went into a little hole on the side of the, the, the metal plate on the top. And you squeeze it together, and you let it go, and it would open. You could lift the metal plate up, and you put it in an oven. You baked this thing. You baked plastic in a steel mold until it was the color of it was like as hot as the sun. And then you had to put the little thing in, in the little tool in and you take it out and you put it in water go psh, to cool it down. Right. Every single one of us had third degree burns from that toy. Because every kid, you're like, oh, you start to bobble the plate, so you touch it with your hand to keep it from bobbling. And, you know, third degree burns. We all had them. But our parents bought this for us. Because every kid wanted the thing maker. And so we had it. Mary, I tried to look this up online. Yeah, I don't think, I think they discontinued it because it was dangerous. Because I only see it for sale for resale on eBay for like a hundred bucks. Right. Because it was an incredible toy. Oh my gosh. I had a wood burning. 
I had a wood burning kit when I was like eight years old. My what? parents gave me a wood burning kit for children that had different tips on it so you could make burn literally burn different things in the wood. They just wanted you to be a jack of all trades. <laughs> That's what they wanted. They they felt it was creative. Go outside. I got would go outside, get a branch, find some wood somewhere, bring it in, and then I would burn stuff into oh. the wood. Kept me kept me occupied for hours. Do you still have any of those pieces of artwork? No. 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 Sorry. Uh-huh. Sorry. I do not have love any to of see a Mary original. I do have, believe it or not, and since Christmas is upon us, some of our our ornaments that we made in school back in the day when you were allowed to make ornaments in school. Wait, they don't do that anymore. No, not not ah. in private, not not in in you know public school. You can't oh. do that now. We could back in the day, and nobody got offended because I also made a dreidel. So my parents were fine with oh. that. Oh, yeah. No, we we had Jewish kids and Christian kids. That was sure. the choice. So you made you made dreidels and you made this. So we everybody did everything. But our Christmas ornaments to this day are on my parents' tree, and my one brother made, and now he's got it. He had a margarine lid that he literally glued one piece of cereal on. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Seriously, still on the tree. Oh, that tells you, parents. Though my mom has some of my. I have it. There's an ornament I made that's like out of paper stick figures it looks horrible she still has it and i made it when i was like five and i was like why do you have this it's so ugly but that's just what parents do they keep well, everything my, my mother saved them because she said because i want to, i want to torture you i want to, your children oh, to wow see. she wanted to torture How us when we is. got older and had kids because then she gifts it to you so now of course my brother's children parade that around the christmas tree every year we got to put dad's ornament on <laughs> All right, coming up, Hogan Gidley will be joining us to talk about the Twitter files here on the Todd Starn Show. Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's common sense conservative commentary from Todd Starnes. I am Mary Walter sitting in for Todd. Todd is back with you tomorrow. Let's go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line where we say hello to Hogan Gidley, Newsmax contributor, spokesperson and vice chair for the Center for Election Integrity at the America First Policy Institute. Hogan, thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the time. Oh, absolutely. We have so much to talk about because as we are speaking, Barry Weiss is now dumping, I think this is Twitter file number five, I believe this is. Uh, So we do want to jump into this. Can I just say before we go into this, am I the only person who hates this format of these Twitter files? Right? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of how they're dumping it. No question about it. I'm curious to see, though, just, just for the record, as we're all talking here, of those five Twitter dumps, how many of those had issues that cut in favor of conservatives? Well, hold on. Did not didn't um, Matt Taibbi in the very first Twitter dump say there were some requests from the Trump campaign? <laughs> Exception proving the rule, of course. Yeah, look, this is a serious problem for that platform. Um, a serious problem for that for that uh, social media app, as, as we all know. It really kind of goes to expose what's going on. And look, the left hates 
transparency, whether it be, you know, transing our kids behind our backs or critical race theory or election integrity measures. So when you talk about one of their favorite tools with which they use to club the right, it is obvious why they are putting up such a fight in this particular issue, because you're taking away one of the things they use to beat you senseless. And you're showing behind the curtain, you're exposing the issues as to how and why these folks at Twitter decided to basically not just shadow ban, but suppress so much of what the information, uh, so much of the information that was being circulated. Now we know all these information, of course, was correct, by the way. Um, it's a real problem for them, not to mention the fact that this investigation and this Twitter dump is done correctly. I do think this investigation morphs from one just about Twitter into one into the FBI, who had this laptop, for example, in the Hunter Biden situation, more than a year before it actually became public. They knew it was real. They knew it wasn't Russian disinformation. And they were seeding the ground by talking to these news outlets ahead of time, saying, hey, watch out for disinformation. It could happen at any moment. And then when it happened, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think the people right. are seeing this now in real time. They're, they're concerned. And rightfully so. Well, it's the same playbook that they used about the Russia hoax, right? Leak a story to the New York Times and the Washington Post and then use that leaked story as a reason in a FISA application, right, against Carter Page. Use that story. Go, look, it's out there. There's there's proof that this is out there when they're the ones who planted it. It's the same playbook. Exactly. Exactly. And remember, uh, Nancy Pelosi herself said this. This is the way you do it in a press conference. She said, we get a story out there. You guys write about it. And then we can point to that story as being factual information. This is old stuff, but it's tried through. It is tested and it's worked time and time again. And you're so right to point out exactly what they did for the Russia hoax. But we've fallen for it now, I think, too many times. I think a lot of folks out there are now saying, wait a minute. I'm skeptical of the information coming out from from these entities. And by the way, when did the left become so all-in, non-curious, non-questioning on three-letter agencies in the federal government? When does the left become so all-in and protective of information coming out from big pharma? I mean, what a weird juxtaposition this is, turn of events, for them to be so supportive of these entities who are designed to make money, who are designed to cause problems like the FBI and other things. They've kind of shifted away from being the nation's top law enforcement agency. They've meddled in multiple elections. People are angry about it, and, and, and I think they have a right to be. Well, you know, you ask a good question. We could have, we could probably have this discussion for a long time. I'll, I'll buy you a beer. Um, <laughs> but, but, but what's happened is the left has developed and have been very good at adopting a by any means necessary approach. And the Republicans, right. much to my chagrin, are consistently, as you said, caught off guard. Things happen, and I just sit here, I'm like, how did you not see this coming? We saw it coming. I'm not quite sure how you didn't see this coming. But to me, that plays into the 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 party, capital T, capital P, that consists of the establishment on both the left and the right. I'm sorry, I am not a Mitch McConnell fan. I think he needs to go. I'm not a, I'm not a Kevin McCarthy fan. I think he needs to go, too. They are too, they don't stand strong. Democrats stand strong. They back John Fetterman like he had a date on Jeopardy next week, right? Like they they backed him like he is the smartest, most capable person ever to run. What did we do with Oz? What did we do with some with with Herschel Walker? Mitch McConnell's out there going, well, they're not the best candidates. Are you kidding me? 
Right. This is right. why they play us time and again, because we're idiots. Yeah, and in large part, there are a lot of things that happen in these elections. You can't blame everybody for, or, or give credit to everybody for winning or, or losing. Lots of things have to happen to get someone elected. But a lot of times, the right doesn't do the things needed to get elected. Yes. And instead, we, we lament the rules. So if I tell you you can score points in a football game by kicking, running, and passing, the right says, well, I think passing and running is unethical, so we're just going to kick. Fine, but you're going to lose. So if ballot harvesting is okay, if mass mail-in matters yes. in these elections, you better do it better than the other yes. guy, or they're going to continue to rub your face in it. And by the way, if you beat them at the policy, they'll change it. You saw that with Facebook and Obama. He weaponized it, did a great job. We weaponized it in 2016. And what happened? The left comes out to say, we really should start to, you know, kind of uh, changing the algorithms on Facebook. We really need to kind of censor Facebook because we exactly. use it better than they did. If we ballot harvest, harvest better and we do these things the right way, they'll want to change those policies because they'll be afraid they're going to lose elections. Okay, so let, let's let's get back to this. Let's talk about what we're learning from these Twitter dumps. We have learned not just this one that's coming out now. This the, the one that Barry Weiss is releasing now is about their decision to uh, take ban President Trump from the platform and and the co- communications that went back and forth and how maybe we should we got to get rid of Don Jr. as well and all this. Okay, great. But the left keeps saying, well, this is not news because they're a private company, so they can do whatever they want. They're not bound by the First Amendment. But in the last dump. We learned that the FBI, the DHS, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence met with Yoel Roth, uh, who was the head at the time of Twitter's Trust and Safety (laughs) Department, um, met with him weekly. They were meeting weekly about censoring things on this platform and what should be taken down. And we also learned it wasn't just the laptop, but there was also things about the election. And we're finding out from Barry Weiss, now we're getting into the COVID area where they were asking for that to be done as well. That is, and I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure it's illegal for the federal government to conspire with a private entity in order to to take people's First Amendment rights away, correct? It's my understanding that is true, what you just said. Um, and obviously that's a problem because the First Amendment exists for a reason. And again, it's kind of funny that the press, who hides behind the First Amendment and uses it, and rightfully so, because they have freedom of the press, uh, they talk about freedom of speech. But for whatever reason, when it comes to conservatives, they're, they're quiet about it. Like it's a problem that conservatives get the same right that they do to speak freely. That's a whole other issue altogether. But, you know, I mean, look, I, I think as these as these pieces of information continue to come out and i've not seen the one yet you're talking about i was in a meeting but still if this is true this is a serious problem a massive scandal and one of the biggest collusion coordinated attacks against the political party in american history this is absolutely something the right should look at when they take the gavel back in uh, uh january of next year and they need to do it the right way and they need to go after the right people and they need to expose what actually happened because if they can do this to one guy, you know, president, they absolutely can do it to you. And one more thing I'll say is when you pointed out how the right, or excuse me, the news right now is saying this is old news. The White House is saying this is old news. I mean, one of the entities, I think CBS, didn't even admit the laptop was real till last week. Right. How was that old? Aren't we still talking? Then if that's the case, you better talk about what's on the laptop, which, by the way, you could talk about for three years, every new piece of information, not to mention the fact there's text messages and emails for giving money to the big guy, which, of course, we know is Joe Biden at this point. So, again, if this if this investigation is done right, it won't just be Twitter. It won't just be the FBI. It won't just be Hunter Biden. 
it'll morph by its natural conclusion into an investigation into Joe Biden. That's where we're going to see some big fireworks. So, but the operative word is if. If it's done right. And, you know, if past performance is an indicator of future performance, Republicans are going to blow it. They're not going to do it. We know we know that the letter agencies, the alphabet agencies, FBI, DHS, DNI, all of those are going to stonewall. They're not going to give them information. They do it all the time to the Republicans or they change the rules in order to keep Republicans from getting stuff. And Republicans don't make a stink. They just sit there and accept it and they write sternly worded letters. That's what they do. They don't make us. They're horrible at the messaging. They're terrible at it. And they should learn instead of learning from the Democrats playbook. This is what the Democrats do, as you pointed out. They just continue doing the same thing over and over again, which is not a winning strategy. So I, I, I realize, you know, to me, this, as you said, this is so huge. This is this is insane. But I don't have faith that the Republicans that anything is really going to come of this. This is like the Durham report again. Yeah, I don't disagree. There's there's one part that I take issue with. And it's this Republicans in whatever speeches I'm giving all across the country, I get the same question, which is. Why can't Republicans in unison say X? Why can't we all push a message? Well, we don't control the levers of power and influence like the left does. They have Hollywood. They have big tech. They have the mainstream media. They have colleges and universities, all of which push a message in unison from their collective bully pulpit. And it's crammed down our throats, regardless of how tight the messaging is on the right. Now, let's be honest. We're not good at this like the left is. There's no question about that. So I'm not... I'm not, I'm not pushing, pushing back on that point. But the fact does remain, by our own nature, you know, Republicans are individualistic, whereas, you know, Democrats push the collective so often. But politics is a team sport. We've got to get better at giving that message a good message, a solid message, one that people care about, that they want to hear, that they can gravitate toward, that they understand, and push it all of the time. Because this country is going absolutely in the wrong direction with the leadership we have in the top. The, the, the radicalism is insane. It is really hurting American families. And the quicker we get ourselves on the same page as Republicans and push back and stand up and just say no more, we're going to do things a different way, we're going to continue to slide into the wrong direction. And somehow, some way, we get rolled. When we're in the majority, we get rolled when we're in the minority. So I think we've got a better sense now of what we need to do and how we need to do it. And I hope, and you said it's an if, and it's a big if, if we can do that, I think we'll be in much better shape. Yeah, well, then you know what? In my humble opinion, leadership needs to change because it's clear to me, at least from the outside looking in, I'm just, what, well, I'm just a taxpayer. Mitch McConnell has zero interest in in changing the game. Uh, it just it's it's clear there are so many things he could do when, when he pulled money from those races in uh, what was uh, from Bolduck from uh, in in Arizona in in Alaska when he pulled money from those races in my humble opinion he showed his hand he didn't want but Trump winning, candidates they're winning the game that's why they don't want to change it in large part right they're still in power they're still right. successful they don't care about the actual impact of the policies on the American people I mean they do from lip lip service standpoint. But they themselves are doing fine. They're right. still having big contracts. They're still figuring out the way to scam the stock market. They're the ones who who the press call on every single thing and get their get their uh, you know opinion on the news of the day. So they're still winning. It's us out here who aren't, and we need leadership to stand up and say, "All right, if I take it on the chin, that's fine. I'm here to protect you." And that was one thing that, made, quite frankly, made Trump so popular. Was he said, right. "Look, they're attacking you. I'm just standing in the way." Yeah. And just very quickly, because we I, we got it. I have to let you go. I'm so sorry. Like I said, I could talk to you forever. Um, we do have Josh. Beer, 
Josh Hawley uh, did get some records uh, that show now that Nina Jankowitz, who was the executive director of that now terminated disinformation yeah. governance board, um, and other DHS officials plan to meet with Facebook's head of national secure, a head of security, Nathaniel Gleiker. So that's there's a smoking gun there with Facebook, and I got kicked off Facebook before the election, so I, I want some justice. Um, and Musk also um, teased fa- uh, Fauci files coming out on Twitter as well. Yeah. yeah. And he said, my pronouns are prosecute and Fauci. <laughs> so I don't know it's if that's great. ever going to happen. It's, but <laughs> It's great. It's great. But they have to do it the right way. Remember, any slip up from us, and they're going to say the whole thing's a show trial. Democrats put on a show trial for months and months and months, better part of two years now, and they think it's all just perfect and flawless. So we're held to a different standard, but instead of lamenting that, let's play by the rules and get it done and get people to understand exactly what we're talking about. But, I mean, how many people from the Clappers and the Brennans and the Comeys, the Clintons, all lie before Congress and nothing happens? What people want, really, transparency I mentioned, but they also want accountability. Thank you. Somebody has to get trouble for doing the things against yep. the law that we all see in public. I mean, if Hunter Biden's putting out videos of com- himself committing felonies and no one... And he's not, he's just going to the White House to enjoy Christmas parties and going to the White House or going to the Kennedy Center to enjoy concerts. No one's doing anything. It makes people really, really uh, mm-hmm. angry about systems of justice, one for the elites and one for everybody else. Well, if, if Trump gets back in and you're part of the administration again, could you please tell him that, please? <laughs> of course. It I makes me absolutely. I gave him a lot of advice. He never took any of it, but I sure, I'm, I sure got to do it. <laughs> this country is so great. Someone like me got, uh, to do, got to give him the advice. Hogan Gidley, thank you so much. You can follow him on Twitter at J Hogan Gidley. Thank you. Have a wonderful Christmas. Merry Christmas. I appreciate your time. You too. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much. Thank you. 844-747-8868 is my number here on the Todd Starn Show. Walter sitting in for Todd Starnes in the Liberty University studios. Let's talk a little bit about my pillow, shall we? Because you have helped build my pillow into an incredible company that it is today. And Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of my pillow, wants to give back to Todd's listeners because you people rock. Right now, my pillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60 day money back guarantee. So if you place an order now through December 25th, those orders will have an extended money back guarantee that will go through March 1st. The bed sheets, which are amazing, are marked down as low as twenty nine ninety eight, and you will get a great night's sleep on those sheets. The six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton. It comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. They typically retail for eighty nine ninety eight. It's almost $90. And they're now just thirty nine ninety eight with the promo code STARS. Dude, that's an incredible bargain. Now, there is a limited supply you have to order now. Call 1-800-839-8506. And I will tell you when they say limited supply, they mean it. Because I didn't pay attention to that when I was trying to buy something from my pillow. And I got shut out and I was really mad. Uh, so do not hesitate. Call 1-800-839-8506. Use the promo code STARNS. Or you go to MyPillow.com. You click on the radio listener square and use the promo code STARNS. Get your incredible discounts and extended 
warranty on my pillow products. Isn't that great? Uh, so I've been going through these Twitter files here with uh, Barry Weiss, which she's put out. And what is she is going through, and you can read it for yourself. It's it's tough for me to do it on the air here um, because there's a lot of them. But it talks, she goes through the decision in chronolo- chronological order of the decision to um, to ban Trump from the platform and how quite a few of the uh, Twitter employees were did not think this was a good idea. But the ones who thought that Trump had to be taken off were so loud, they won out. The mob won. And we got a problem. And they're in the, they're in the situation they're in. I've got more coming up. Stick with me on the Todd Starn Show. Walter sitting here in the Liberty University studios in for Todd Starnes, and he will be back with you tomorrow. All will be right with the world. Uh, if you want to join me, 844-747-8868 is my number. I don't bite, I swear. Um, if, you, if you want to comment, I welcome your calls. Uh, just uh, a, a note that uh, I do have uh, podcasts. I have two podcasts. One airs on Tuesday, one airs on Thursday. Both air 715 Eastern time, so 615. Um, I, t- I just try to do everything Eastern time because it's with something that people from all over the country can can watch. So uh, it is a audio. It's a, I mean, it's just video if you watch on YouTube and Getter. All you do is search for Mary Walter Radio on YouTube or Getter. Tuesday's podcast, the one tomorrow night, is non-political. So we like to have fun on that one. So if you want a break from politics, please join us. Uh, Thursday's podcast is politics, and I try to do stories that you're not really hearing a lot about. I try to try to bring those types of stories in um, as opposed to just regurgitating stuff that you may have already heard. Um, so that is what we do there. Uh, and if you can also catch up, by either going to YouTube and watching them if you'd like to watch, again, Mary Walter Radio, or go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can hear the audio. You can listen to the audio uh, just by searching for Mary Walter Radio. And if you want the non-political one, you got to search for Life with Mary Walter. Could not figure out how to get them both under the same tab uh, just by searching on one name. So it had to be two, but I hope you join me. Okay, let's talk a little bit about immigration, shall we? Because it's a mess. It's a disaster. Uh, and we have Title 42 that is going to be going away, which is a problem. And I, I want to play some audio for you here. This is Tom Tillis. Uh, Tom Tillis, a Senator Tom Tillis out of North Carolina, and uh, Kristen Cinema out of Arizona, who's now an independent, have come together for a bipartisan uh, bill. And what it is, it's a last-ditch effort to get an immigration deal through Congress before the Republicans take the House next year. Because that's a problem. That's what Democrats want. Whereas if Republicans were smart, they're going to they'll slow walk it, right? Like we'll get our the bill we want, which Repub- uh, of course the Senate will not pass. So it's going to be another another roadblock. But the the wrench in the works here is Title Forty Two. It the Title Forty Two was the public health authority that was used to um, deport migrants at the border due to COVID-19, and that expires in two weeks. And the administration's doing literally nothing, and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of migrants amassing on the southern border just waiting to cross over. I think it's the 21st 
that they'll be able, and they're just going to walk into the country, and we're going to be overwhelmed, thousands and thousands. How that is not considered an invasion is beyond me. We have spent billions of dollars helping the Ukraine, excuse me, Ukraine, they hate when you call it the, when uh, uh, helping Ukraine repel an invasion on their border, yet we are allowing one to happen unfettered at our border. And it's going to be catastrophic. And the administration is doing nothing about it. You think, I'm telling you, this country is going to change in ways you could never imagine. Under the Obama administration, they are on track to bring in the population of New York City, the five boroughs, the population of that area into this country. You're going to be paying for their kids in school. You're going to be paying for their free health care. You're going to be paying for, if they have a child, that child now gets health care and the child gets uh, SNAP and the child gets, uh, excuse me, WIC and the child, you know, so you're going to be paying for the food, everything. And these people are never going to be deported. They're never going to be sent home. They're going to be here to stay because it's going to take decades to wade through all of them that are here illegally. There's nothing to help you know wade them out. They can apply for driver's licenses and apartments and bank accounts and this and that and everything else that you can't apply for despite them not having ID and on and on. So this country is going to change in ways that you ne- will never see coming. And it is going to change this country, unfortunately, I, I don't think for the better. I'm all for immigration. Don't uh, don't yell at me. I'm all for immigration, but it's got to be done legally. Legal immigrants like Elon Musk are the ones who value this country and what this country stands for. People who are economic migrants who are just here for the freebies, they don't care about what this country stands for or what this country should stand for. They're just here for the money. They're here for the freebies. That's it. And that does not help this country. All right. So here's Tom Tillis uh, explaining why we need to solve our border problem. This is cut six, Kyle, uh, discussing. Yep. This is why we need to solve it. The uh, White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, whenever she's asked about the border, she says that she'll say the border is secure. And if Republicans want to do anything about it, they should come up with their own ideas and they'll take a look. So here you have an idea and you have a senator uh, on the Democratic side who is uh, partnering with you on this. Have you had any indication from the White House that they would at least be willing to do something to try to secure the border in order to get something else that they want? The White House is going to get what we've agreed to here and nothing more. And that is exactly what I described in terms of this population. Uh, Again, a population that President Trump also thought had merit to give them a path to citizenship. But what the administration is going to have to accept is we're going to fix the problem that they created. In the last year of the Trump administration, we had about a half million illegal crossings. That is manageable for Border Patrol. Now we have over two million. And if Title 42 goes away, that could be three million or more. And the Border Patrol has told me, to my face, that they will lose control of the border. They're already spread thin. This is a crisis that the administration refuses to accept, and it's one that we need to solve. So... The problem is, is that nobody's happy with this. The left isn't happy with this and the right's not happy with this. Uh, The border security funding in in this bill could be upwards of $40 
billion with a B dollars, and it would include a 14% increase in pay for the Border Patrol agents, okay, minimum staffing level of 20,500 agents, and investments in U.S. Uh, CIS, U.S. Immigration and Immigration Services, officers, and immigration judges and courts, which have been facing significant backlogs. The bill would also extend Title 40, uh, 42 with the option for further laid out further expansion of that while they set up centers along the border for migrants to be directed to for processing. So in other words, we're just going to have big, an op- big open house. Like you go to this one and we'll have a big center for them. Come on, like you're a tourist, you know, you come on like a welcome center. That's what we're going to have. Um, there will be a pathway to citizenship for DACA recipients and other illegals who came to the U.S. as minors. It would cap eligibility for those who have been in the U.S. since 2018, under 18 when they arrived, no older than 38 in 2012, and some other uh, metrics that they have to meet. They, they say it will protect the approximately 2 million dreamers in this country as well. But the problem with this is there are more dreamers coming across the border every single day. There's more DACA people coming across the border every single day. What I want to see is, okay, you were brought to this country illegally. Nobody in your family, you cannot sponsor anyone in your family because these parents, they send these kids across, right? And then when these kids hit 18, they know that these kids will then sponsor them to become citizens and then they can get on the gravy train. No, no, no. There's got to be some kind of penalty in exchange for this. You don't get the full ride if we make you legal. Your parents who broke the law to bring you here should not benefit from you being a dreamer or, or doc or whatever it happens to be. Your parents should be punished for breaking the law. They shouldn't be rewarded. We're giving away citizenship like, you know, it's, it's something free. Like, it it doesn't have value anymore when you just give it away. Now, the Democrats objecting to this are saying that the proposed plan would reinstate the Title 42 expulsion policy while significantly increasing funding for border security. It bolsters a deal to further militarize the border, and it lacks necessary accountability measures that comprehensive immigration reform would have delivered. They're against securing the border. This inhumane proposal would also bar temporary protected status TPS recipients from receiving green cards. Now, that's like we have this weird program. I don't know why that if somebody's, you know, it's it's usually a lot of these where there's a war in your country. You get to come here for temporary protected status. The problem is, is it's not temporary. They stay here for decades. They never it keeps getting extended and extended and extended and extended. And Republicans are guilty of this, too. It just keeps getting extended. So if you're from Haiti and a hurricane hit your island and devastated it, we'll take a bunch of those people out and we bring them to the United States under temporary protected status. They never go back. They are never, ever repatriated. They stay here forever. Uh, The current proposal creates a lifetime bar for individuals and their families to receive any immigration benefit, including asylum and harsh sanctions for individuals who have failed to appear in court regardless of their fear or fear of prosecution. So what this says is these people who come here under temporary protected status, well, they should they should get immigration benefits and they should get asylum. That's not what temporary protected status is. But to the Democrats, it's just a way of bringing more and more people into this country who are going to be dependent on the system. Cloward-Piven strategy. Look it up. Cloward-Piven strategy. What you do is you tax, you put such a strain on the social services in this country that it collapses them. 
And that gives, that creates a crisis. The government gets more power in order to solve the problem they created. And it puts more people on social service. It gives them the power to tax more, to bring everyone's uh, income down. But they also say there's there's sanctions for individuals who don't appear in court, even if they're afraid because they're afraid of persecution. But if you're a citizen and don't show up in court, they're coming to get you, unless you live in Portland or New York or something like that. But they'll come and get you. So citizens have to show up in court, even if they're they're afraid of being persecuted because maybe they're conservatives and they feel that they're going to be persecuted. They don't get that. But they want people who have who are in the country illegally to be given freebies and we're supposed to understand why they don't want to come to court because they might be persecuted. They could be deported. Yes, because they should be. We're not going anywhere with this. Uh, Tillis went on to say that uh, people who come into this country as minors who are now doctors, scientists, teachers, hundreds serving in the military think the American people understand this is very different than this concept of amnesty. It's nonstop. We make special groups of people over and over and over again. The entire programs that Obama created with the stock and dreamer stuff, he's not allowed to create policy like that, but he did, and the Republicans didn't stop him. And Republicans had the ability to say these programs are unconstitutional. He doesn't get to make law. That has to come through Congress. Congress makes laws. They could have stopped him, and they didn't do it. So the Republicans are just as complicit in this as well. All right, coming up, an Arizona sheriff also... Um, taking the law into his own hands. I, I, I don't know where this is going to go, uh, but regarding immigration and securing the border. the ins- It's just insane. And that's coming up on the Todd Starn Show. I'm Mary Walter in the Liberty University Studios. 844-747-8868 is my number if you'd like to join me. So I told you there's an Arizona sheriff. This is Cut 7, Kyle. Uh, An Arizona sheriff out of Santa Cruz County. His name is David Hathaway. And um, he wants the governor of Arizona, Governor Ducey, to stop using shipping containers as a border wall. That's what they're doing. Uh, the governor said, look, if, if, the, if the federal government is not going to protect us, then we're going to secure the border. It, this is a matter of national security, and it is. We have thousands and thousands of Americans who are dying. We have hundreds every day. I think it's maybe over 1,000 a day. I have to look at the numbers again. They keep going up. Who are dying from fentanyl poisoning. And it is poisoning that is being sent, that is, the chemicals are being sent from China to Mexico where their cartels are assembling them and putting them in like little shapes like candy and walking them across our border to poison our children and adults as well. And a lot of these, they're not taking, you know, drugs. They, they think it's candy or something and they take it and they die. This is an assault on on us. This this is a matter of national security. And so the government, the governor of Arizona is like, well, I'm going to protect the people of my state. And so he's using these shipping containers. Here is the Santa Cruz County Sheriff, though, David Hathaway, and what he thinks of this. In the border battle, a southern Arizona sheriff plans to stop the stacking of shipping containers at the U.S.-Mexico border. Santa Cruz County Sheriff David Hathaway says for the last four days, protesters have been showing up at the border, preventing crews from doing their work in constructing the shipping container border walls. 
Hathaway says he supports those efforts. He calls Governor Ducey's order to use the shipping containers as a border wall illegal dumping, telling Fox 10 he will arrest construction crews and security personnel if they reach Santa Cruz County. The area where they're placing the containers, it is entirely on federal land, on national forest land. It's not state land. It's not private land. And the federal government has said this is illegal activity. So just the same way if I saw somebody doing an assault or a homicide or a vehicle theft on public land um, within my county, I would charge that person with a crime. Hathaway says construction has moved within about six miles of Santa Cruz County, directly south of Tucson. Supporters of the shipping containers say that the work is a matter of national security and it deters illegal immigration, human smuggling and drug smuggling. Now, see, the officials of the federal government ordered Arizona to take down the containers that were used to fill the gaps along the border wall. And so now there is a lawsuit. So I kind of get that the sheriff is like, oh, you know what? I got I got to enforce the law. I kind of get that. That's his job. But if I also say, like, okay, at what point do you say enforcing this law is is hurting people? This is a bad law. I have very, very mixed emotions about this. You kind of can't give people the right to just say, well, I'm just going to ignore that law. They did it under the Trump administration all the time. Remember, they all the time they ignored it when Obama was told that he had a, you know, um, he had to enforce certain laws he just didn't do them his administration just didn't enforce certain laws like um immigration laws and said no i'm not doing it and didn't do it and i had a problem with that so am i a hypocrite then if i say well you know it's the law he's not enforcing the law so there there, there's that as well so i have very mixed emotions about that um lastly uh, Washington Post analysis found that 40, almost 40% of college graduates regret their major. Now, shockingly, I say that sarcastically, among arts and humanities majors, nearly half wish that they'd studied something else. Well, of course you did, sweetheart, because you got a job in, you know, art history or humanities or some other ridiculous, useless, you know, but jo- major, but it's your passion. And mommy and daddy told me to follow my passion. Great. My father told me, and this this is true. Now, I was a liberal arts major, but I, I took languages. So that was my passion was languages. I minored in German. But um, I got a communications degree. And I will tell you, I regret that. That was a dumb move. I should not have gotten a communications degree. It was kind of dumb. If I had it to do all over again, I think I would have picked a different career. So in order to do that, I probably should have had a business degree. Among arts and humanity majors, nearly half wish they studied something else. As I said, STEM graduates tend to, though, to think that they made the right choice. Of course they did, because they're making money. They actually get a paycheck that they can sustain themselves on. But I thought that was so interesting. And, and part of it, I get it. We're asking kids to make decisions about what they think is going to work in the future. I'm Mary Walter. Thanks for having me on the Todd Starn Show. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.